What is up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Sunday, December the 3rd. Uh, this is the Vol Fanatic Show. I am Michael Schneller. How we doing today, man? Dude, we're doing uh, we're doing fantastic. It's nice to know that you're not even in the Final Four going into the weekend, so you're not heartbroken afterwards. You know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah. As a Tennessee fan, it was it was kind of fun because we knew that some teams would win, some teams would lose, but there was guarantees that feelings were going to be hurt, and I think we got that today. We definitely got that today. Uh, so just giving you guys a little heads up what we're going to be doing today. So we are going to recap the um, the Power 5 games from this past weekend, from Championship Weekend. Then we're going to go immediately into our reactions for the college football playoffs that came out what, just two hours ago. So Yes, sir. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but before we get started, Michael, we always do this every week. Shout out of the week. Who do you have this week to shout out? So my shout out of the week is going to go to my buddy Noah Raznick. Um, okay, we were we were actually playing um, playing some Fortnite last night uh, before the the big event uh, event on there, and he goes, "Dude, I cannot believe that Alabama beat Georgia." He said, "I better be getting some TikTok videos about what you think about all this." I said, "Man, that, there's going to be some stuff come up this week. We're going to talk about it on the show tomorrow." Tune in, my brother, and he said, "Oh, don't worry, I'll be tuning in." So, shout out to Noah. He he tunes in every chance that he gets. Uh, once we have it podcasted, that's awesome, man. Um, shout out to Noah. I, I'm going to actually shout out, and I'm a I'm a cop out. I'm a cop out. I'm a shout out the family, man. We went over there last night um, to watch all the games and Texas and Oklahoma State. If you watched that game, you knew it was a blowout really before the fourth quarter. And so dad was like, well, now what do we watch before uh, before the SEC championship game? I was like, you know, you could watch mine and Michael's breakdown of the game before, you know, the game kind of see and hear what we have to say about it. Now, I wish you wouldn't have because we both, I think, chose. <laughs> we both Georgia. chose Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you talked about it last week, having it on the big screen. So the family actually put us up on the big screen. We watched it in the living room. And, you know, the quality of videos are not perfect, but they're not bad um, to sit there and listen to, to what we had to say. It was kind of funny because I knew what was coming up. As, as, as it was happening, but regardless, wanted to shout out the family. We had a great time. We kind of did our Thanksgiving a little late due to my family just kind of spreading out over Thanksgiving. We can't, you know, we, we do ours. Same with Christmas. We always do it a little later or earlier so that it accommodates for everybody. Um, and so we had a good time with that. But uh, yeah, without well, further, I mean, my, my immediate family, I mean, we're doing some Thanksgiving as soon as we're done with this today. So, I mean, we're we still got Thanksgiving going on too. So, I understand, yes. man. Hey, I love the sacrifices that families make to make it happen. Because um, at Absolutely. the end of the day, the day is important, don't get me wrong, but the family is more important. And, and so being able to figure out what day works for everybody is, is always key. But without further ado, man, we got some games to talk about. Before we talk about the breaking news in the CFP, that will be coming up later on the show, as Michael said. But but uh, we're an SEC slash Tennessee podcast, but Tennessee didn't do anything this weekend. So let's talk about that SEC championship game in Atlanta, Georgia. Some would call it a neutral site field uh, game. Some would say it's definitely a home game for, <laughs> for Georgia. But, you know, regardless, 3.30, CBS, well, actually it was 4 o'clock, and, uh, you know, Bama got the win overall. What are your thoughts, man? So th this game went kind of how I thought it would, minus, you know, which team actually won the game. I figured that it would be a, you know, back and forth, really good defensive affair with both offenses making plays when they needed to. And 
for the most part, that's exactly what happened in the game. Uh, in the end, Alabama just pulled it out. They they actually took the lead was in the first quarter. Uh, no, it was in the second quarter. They took the lead and just a big never, they, they never looked back. Yeah. Um, I I agree, man. Georgia came out. They scored. Um, Alabama couldn't really get anything going to be to to, to start the game at least. And I kind of looked at that. I was like, oh man, um, you know, Alabama better better correct it, and they did. Uh, something that Alabama did, and I didn't notice this until I started kind of look, looking into the game is they won the rushing game, 114 total to 78. And a lot of times when it comes down to these games, especially in the SEC, it's whoever runs the ball the best or the most efficient ends up winning the game. Now, the reason why I want to point out most efficient is because both teams were actually very terrible when it came to running efficiency. You know, Alabama run the ball for 41 times for 114 time, uh, 114 yards. That's only 2.8 in average. Yeah. That's terrible. That's, that's and then, really bad. And, and then, then Georgia but, ran 31 times for 78 yards which was even worse at 2.5 yards at carry. So. Exactly right. So both teams really didn't have a great rushing attack, but I think that's a credit to just how good these fronts are for both teams. Um, you know, Alabama played not so good. In fact, suspect against Auburn. But you know what's crazy is the last time uh, they won the SEC championship, they went into that game coming off an overtime thriller against Auburn in 2021. It's crazy how you know history can can find a way to repeat itself, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, as a Georgia fan, you wanted the best, you got the best. That was the 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 matchup that's been kind of boiling all all season long. And you know we'll talk about it later. It's just crazy as a Georgia fan to go from number one to to where they are now, and it really not be that you got you know shut out or blown out. I mean, this was a really good game. I mean, all the way to the fourth quarter, you, you were waiting like, Georgia, when are you coming back? Like, I know you're about to open up. And they did in the fourth quarter. They did what they had to do to get back in that ball game. But two things that really cost them in this game. That missed field goal in the first half. Yes. And Jalen Milrow icing the game. That, that, that's, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah, that and um, the, the penalties. Uh, yeah. Georgia had... Let's see. Let me, let me look at it. Georgia had five penalties for 56 yards. Bama had three for 36. And when you look at that, you're like, God, that, that's not that big of a difference. 20 yards worth of penalties is a huge difference in a game. Yeah. So, but but you're 100% correct. Jalen Milrow, he, um, on that last possession there, he just, he cut back against the grain, broke through three defenders, and ended up picking up that first down. And as soon as that happened, I, I looked at my wife. I said, "Well, that's the ball game right there. Bama just won it." Yeah, and uh, you know, I well, one thing that I want to mention is, you know, I heard earlier this week there was some. It, it was a random person called into the Eric Ains show and said, um, "So, would would you say that, especially if Kirby wins this weekend, has he surpassed Nick Saban?" Absolutely not. For one thing, Saban has done it for so much longer. But also, when you look at the head-to-head matchups before the game yesterday, Kirby was what one in four, I believe, against Saban. Now it's one in five, and that one game just so happened to be the national championship game two years ago. So, I mean, that Kirby still has his struggles against Saban, just like everybody does. I mean, Saban just proved 
once again, that he is still that top dog in the SEC, and not just the SEC, but the entire country when it comes to being a head coach. I, I, it, I hate that conversation. I hate that question. I mean, how can somebody pass somebody when they're both still coaching and one clearly has twice, three times as many natties at one school? Like, And not, not to mention that Nick Saban has been a head coach this current time for twice as long, if not longer than that, than Kirby has. I mean, there's, there's no way that Kirby can pass Saban right now. Yeah, now, in the future, maybe after Saban retires, depending on what Kirby does, absolutely, there's a chance for it. But right. Saban has set that bar so high, it's going to be very hard to reach that. Well, people are talking like as if you know, um, as if Nick Saban's done. Like the man's not done, and Kirby. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm crapping on Kirby. There's no other coach that's done what he's done at Georgia, and that's winning 29 straight. Now, unfortunately, that that came to a halt against Alabama. That's kind of their kryptonite. But, uh, you know, that doesn't take away from what Kirby's done. And I think Kirby has the potential to be as good as Nick Saban. But that's going to take some time. That's not something mm-hmm. that just happens over one season or one offseason. Even if they were to three-peat, yes, that's something Nick Saban's never done. But for that, for me to say, okay, yeah, he's surpassed, no. That's not something that just happens from one season to the next that's going to be a tenure that's going to be a career you know type of conversation when you talk about that down the road that's nothing that really needs to be brought up now but um look another thing that i want to bring up about this game alabama capitalized on the opportunities um they played a clean ball game and how rare is it to see georgia you know lose the turnover battle and i know it's only about one but that fumble at like the 15 the 10 yard line was so costly to georgia and it's something that you don't see them do. I mean, it was almost like a mental type of fumble. It was like somebody, I don't know, it was like a it was like a trick misdirection play where it almost kind of looked like a reverse type of vibe. And, you know, Carson Beck went to hand the ball off, and the dude just never even went, you know, grabbed it. I don't know if that was supposed to be a pitch or what. But the, regardless. The way it, I was going to say, the way that it looked to me is, you know, it was supposed to be a handoff on an end around. Yeah. And at the last second, uh, Carson Beck realized that, you know, I think it was a bail that he was trying to uh, hand it off to, realized that he was a little bit further away than he needed to be and just tried tossing it. But instead of tossing it to him, just kind of tossed it up in the air. Neither one of them were expecting the other to do what they did. And Carson Beck never even knew that the ball was on the ground. Bro turned around and, like, looked around in disbelief. I mean, he had no idea that it happened. Um, But the timing of that, Alabama taking that, capitalizing on it, you know, that was – there was other things that happened. There were some third and ones that got stuffed up at the line that you just kind of thought that might be the the statement in the game. Overall, Georgia still came back. Like, they never folded. And, uh, you know, this this game right here, and I know we're a Vol Fanatic slash SEC type of show, I'm in full belief that we might have just watched the national championship yesterday. I, I, I agree. I, I believe this was the national championship right here. The In my opinion, these are the two best teams in the country, and we'll get more in-depth into this whenever Absolutely. we do a while playoff uh, reaction later. But I believe these are the two best teams in the country that just played. So I, I'm with you. I think we just watched the national championship right here. What are your thoughts on Jalen Milrow and the growth that that man has had since week two to, to week 14 now? Uh, like, what are your thoughts of, of that kid? 
Jalen Milrow, if he had been playing at this level that he is now at the beginning of the season, would win the Heisman Trophy this year, in my opinion. Just the the amount of growth that he has had from – I'll go back to week one. I know he played well against MTSU in week one, but you, know, you mentioned week two, that Texas game where he did struggle. The growth that he had from that game to – the Georgia game yesterday, it it's incredible. Just the the a fantastic job that the coaches did, being able to to coach around him and show him, you know, what some of his strengths and weaknesses are. And credit to Jalen for realizing what some of those strengths and weaknesses are and capitalizing on those strengths during the season to get to the point where he is right now. I mean, I, I truly believe if he had played at this level the entire year, he would have been he'd be in New York and hoisting that Heisman Trophy. What a lot of people don't understand, when, especially when it comes to the, the selection committee, and it got brought up over and over, is, you know, everybody was saying this is the same Alabama team that lost to Texas in week two, you know, that is the same. And I'm like, no, that's not the same Bama team that lost to Texas in week two. Oh, absolutely. This team has grown insurmountably. Um, Jalen Milrow, I'm not even going to say he struggled as much in week two, as much as he just made some bad decisions in week two against Texas. And because of those bad decisions, because of those mental mistakes, the offensive coordinator then really couldn't trust Jalen Milrow in the next few games. I mean, he got sat. He never even played in week three against you, USF, Southern, Southern Florida. Thank you, um, USF. And um, now we have our agreements on why that happened. Regardless, Jalen Milrow got a little bit smarter. Doug got got really dirty in the film room, um, and. Now he's gained his team's trust back, which I don't know if he really ever lost that within the team. But most importantly, he gained the trust back in the coaches. And now you're seeing a kid that's going out there making plays with his legs and his arm. And not only are Bama winning games, they're actually winning games because of Jalen Milrow. Something that we wouldn't say in at the beginning of the year. Um Oh, we said at the beginning of the year, at least I, I know I did. I'm not gonna speak for you, but right. I said at the beginning of the year. The only way Alabama was going to have success this year is if they went back to the team that they were back at the beginning of Nick Saban's coaching tenure. When you had Derrick Henry, you yeah. had um, Mark Ingram, you had Trent Richardson, you had those big studs at running back. You were gonna, you were expecting Alabama to just pound the ball this year, focus on that running game. To an extent, they did, but it was with Jalen Milrow in that running game. But as soon as that passing game came around. And I believe it was the Tennessee game that I first said it, or maybe it was um maybe it was a week or two before that. You know, when the passing game came around, I, I said I'm gonna throw myself a little bit of a bone. I said if we see this team for the rest of the season, Alabama is gonna be scary at the end of the year. Yeah, it's a it's a lot reminiscent to like Jalen Hurts first year, his freshman year at Alabama. When they can start making some play calls where it becomes eleven on eleven, not ten versus eleven, when they incorporate Jalen Milrow into the game plan and running the ball and make it let him make the the decisions on the fly whether it's a bootleg or a read option or whatever. That's when Alabama's offense becomes that much more dangerous. And just to see the mentality, uh, like of Jalen Milrow, man, something clicked in the second half of that Tennessee game, unlike any other click I've ever seen in my life, where this this team just just got it. I don't know what it was, but they got it. They came back, beat Tennessee by 14. And, yeah, they've had some close games. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to have close games along the way, especially when you're playing in the best conference in college football and when you're playing in one of the most historic robberies and in-state robberies, mind you, against Auburn. It's 
Auburn, no matter how bad they are, is always going to give their best shot against Alabama. But Alabama, if they if they have proven that if they can just get through that game with a win, they have every ability and opportunity to win the national championship. And I think we're seeing that. Now, let's turn this thing over to Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about Georgia a little let's bit. Let's talk about Georgia. Um, this game wasn't a terrible game by any means. You lost by three to the second best team in the SEC, which is now the first best. I grant you that. But, uh, you know, you coming in, you almost think, especially in years past, if you're undefeated, get to the SEC championship, you're almost guaranteed in, right? But this <laughs> year is a little bit different. Circumstances are a little bit crazier in the in the sense of we've not had that chaos moment that the playoff kind of takes care of itself right so they go in they i don't know carson beck had a decent game man he was 21 at 29 243 yards he didn't have a touchdown or interception i get that um but that's where kendall milton kind of stepped up in those in the red zone and had two touchdowns rushing the ball um they did have that very costly fumble but overall, as a team, man, they, they didn't play bad. In fact, their defense showed why they were you know, one of the best in the country, and their offense found a way even when Alabama seemed to have their number for three quarters of that football game. Absolutely. But the, you know, the one thing that I look at is you, know, you, you see a couple of players on Alabama's side that you know, they had a few more yards than, than everybody else. Like You've got – Alabama receiving numbers. You had Isaiah Bond with 79. Then the next closest was Dan Miller and Jermaine Burton, both with 28. You know, so you had a couple of guys on Alabama's side and you know, running the ball. Roydell Williams, 64 yards. Next closest was Milrow with 29. So you've got a couple of guys that looked like they stepped up a little bit more. And I know that Georgia all year long has been a, you know, well-rounded team. Everybody is going to step up. But each game you have had one player that just kind of stepped up and took over a little bit. You don't see that for Georgia in this game. Running the ball, you had Kendall Milton with 42 yards, uh, Dejon Edwards with 38. So, I mean, pretty much even right there. You had Brock Bowers was your leading receiver. He had 53 yards. You did have Arian Smith with a 51 yard grab. Yeah, I was going to say, he had that one long grab. That was insane. But, you know, Lad McConkey, 38. Uh, Rosemary Jack Saint, 30. Dominic Lovett, 23. You didn't have just this one standout guy that said, I'm going to step out. I'm going to, you know, take over this game. I'm going to be this playmaker that uh, that this team needs in this game. And credit to Alabama for that. They held each of these guys in check. But, you know, Georgia has relied on at least one guy kind of stepping up and stepping out in a game, and you didn't have that in that game yesterday. You just had a bunch of guys that did their job, but nobody kind of went over the top there to to finish getting that job done. Which is kind of crazy to see because you've seen them rest their players against Georgia Tech in hopes that they would be fully healthy for this game. Now, we'll continue this conversation, but we got some people fired up in the chat. We got Robert, Sean, thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for commenting. Uh, Robert came in and said, hey, guys, happy Sunday. What's up, Robert? How you doing? And uh, he said, heck of a SEC championship game. Hard to believe that the dogs are not going to the playoffs. Got to give it to Bama. They did it. Look, we're going to talk about the CFP in the, in the second half of the show. We'll get to that, trust me, because Sean even mentioned that he's going to go out on a limb and think that Bama and Texas are going to rematch in the national championship game. He thinks it's going to be a shootout between the two teams. Now, we're not going to even predict the, the CFP today. We're just going to talk about the reaction of who they've chosen, and that kind of is 
it kind of is a, I guess, a leaker, which everybody knows. I mean, everybody that follows the sport knows exactly who made it. But we're gonna we're gonna comment on it later. Um, and uh, Robert agrees with Sean. Robert agrees with Sean. But I appreciate you guys tuning in. Y'all stay active in the chat. We appreciate you guys. But yeah, Georgia man, it's very surprising not seeing that takeover guy. I mean, to be honest with you, I've never seen a better tackling performance from both teams. You know, as soon as somebody got the ball, or even if a running back got a little bit of room. You know, they, they got him on the ground, whoever it was. And that's something that you don't really see. Usually there's a blown assignment or something like that, but really didn't happen too often. And even if somebody did catch the ball in space, the defense would always make a great open field tackle, and that's on both sides of the ball. And yeah, that's I why – I that to coaching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you had the two best coaches in the league yeah. going off against each other in the SEC championship game. Uh, I, I hate to – to make it sound like I'm a homer. I don't like either one of these teams. So please, by all means, like I'm not sitting here, you know, glorifying Georgia or Alabama. I'm just saying, like, if we're being realist, man, I think somebody said it today in the the committee, the show or whatever. I think the SEC's won like 14 of the last 17 national championships. And that's not just with one team. That's not with two teams. That's with Florida, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, like, look, there's a reason why the SEC has, I guess if you want to call it bias, but it's not even bias. It's just facts, man. National championship contenders are born out of the SEC. And it wouldn't shock me at all if Alabama is the second team to be the number four seed and end up winning it all. It wouldn't shock me at all. But um, Georgia, man, as a fan, I got to fit. All the discussions last night leading into this morning, and I think most Georgia fans that I'm following on TikTok just knew that they weren't going to be in the Final Four. And I was kind of in disagreement. You know, and uh, but I don't want. I want to talk about it so I, bad. It's just. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say. I, I think we. I think we've touched on most of the game here, yeah. and I feel like all that I want to say now is just my reaction to the to the it's CFP. Crazy, dude. It's if, crazy. if you're good with it, let's go ahead and move on to the next game. That way we can, we can get yeah. to the reaction. Yeah, because we got other games to talk about. By the way, we sucked in our pricks. By the way, all weekend long. Yeah. Michael, do you want to tell the folks what we ended up getting record-wise? I, I, I wish you wouldn't, but go ahead and do it. So, so first off, I, I just want to say the reason that we don't pick other big games that we just pick SEC games is we only watch the SEC. That's like, fair. Throughout the season. So when we went last week and decided to do these, um, do all the, the Power 5 championship games, I had a feeling that, you know, something might happen. I didn't mm-hmm. think that we would get the chaos that we would. But anyway, um, Skyler went two and three in his picks last week. He correctly picked Texas and Michigan. I went one and four because I picked Oklahoma State upset. So <laughs> we did not do good last week. And the, the thing that makes it worse is neither one of us got the SEC game right either. We both picked Georgia in that one. So um, by far our worst week of the year. It but. Happened. But the overall records, they they speak for themselves. Skyler is sitting at 98 and 27 now after last week. I'm sitting at 94 and 23 overall. So I'm four games back. Well, we still got bowl games left. We still I got bowl come back. So we're only doing the SEC bowl games, by the way. And yeah, then only the playoffs. SEC bowl yeah. games. <laughs> and in the playoffs. But uh, no, man, it's been a fun season. It's It's been that much more of a reason to watch some of the games that maybe we wouldn't necessarily watch um, is because of this show right here and to see how we do. But uh, 
Let's talk about that Friday night game, that Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington in a game where Washington got the first win in the regular season against Oregon. And everybody since that day, you know, have power rated them or whatever. They just always believed that Oregon was a better football team. They just didn't capitalize on the mistakes. I did. I, I thought Oregon was a better team. Everybody, everybody did, dude. But what does that say about Washington to uh, to to go in in the rematch and beat them basically the exact same way, thirty four to thirty one in the back twelve championship game? So first off, I, before we get into this game, I just want to give a credit to the Pac twelve. You know, the last year of the Pac twelve. Yeah. And I don't know if they've always done their championship game on a Friday night, but you know, for them to do it on a Friday night in the last year to Pac-12, all eyes are on this game. I mean, credit to them. I mean, there, there was literally no other game that was uh, – there was a, a group of five game that was on at the same time, but there wasn't anybody watching that when this game right here is on. So credit to them. But, I mean, Washington just came out and punched Oregon in the mouth. Right off the bat, they went up ten to nothing to start this game, and they they just they never looked back in this game. I mean, no. Oregon did make it close uh, after a, a fourteen point third quarter where Washington did not score, but even when that adversity came, Washington never they they never surrendered. And no. I, I do want to point out one thing that I believe it was Kirk Herbstreit said on the broadcast. He said, you know. One advantage that Washington probably had in this game is when you look back at those games since these two teams played the first time, Washington has played in numerous, you know, one-score games, which is why people thought that – Yeah, that's why people thought that Washington wasn't as good as they really were. And I feel like – and Kirk said the, the same thing. He feels like that that helped Washington in this game because as soon as it got down to that close game, they went that's up. the kind of game that Washington was comfortable playing in. Where Oregon has just been blowing people out, they haven't had to play that close ball game. So, um, and yeah, it, and, and Washington never really had that adversity hit other than the third quarter, but they really didn't, you know, they, they weren't the team that fell behind by two scores right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like, they, they jumped out to that early lead. I, Washington shut down Bo Nix in that first half right out the gate. You know, you're talking about Bo Nix, who not only has something to prove as far as as trying to make a playoff spot, that kid is competing for a Heisman Trophy. And for him to get completely shut out, now he ended up having a decent game, but for him to get shut out in the first half the way that that kid did was a statement by Washington. And um, something, a Washington team, by the way, that doesn't have the greatest defense, (laughs) you know, the Pac-12 teams, um, are kind of known for not having great defenses. But yet Washington came out, made a statement early. Like you said, they did have a rocky third quarter where they just went they went pointless. And in a game where you scored 10, 10, 0, and 14, they had a terrible third quarter. Um, but they found a way, like you said, it kind of got dirty. It got within that one possession game, and, and Washington found a way. Um, my, my big note in this game right here, so – Washington, I don't remember where where exactly they've ranked, but Washington was ranked uh, like around the 63 mark as far as total defense and rushing. Okay. And Oregon is like top 15, if not top 10 in rushing defense. Yes. Washington outrushed Oregon in this game 157 to 124. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was wanting to bring that up. 
Why, and, and it would have been a lot worse if it wasn't for Bo Nix's legs. He led his team in rushing with 69 yards. If it wasn't for Bo Nix, Oregon's actual true rushing attack, they only had 55 yards. Washington, on the other hand, Dylan Johnson had 28 carries for 152 yards himself. I mean, Washington just won up front, man. I mean, I know we always say that. They won in the trenches, and, and yeah, that's going to lead to to them winning the game overall, but I, I don't think the the difference in the running style. Bo Nix absolutely helped balance that a little bit, but overall in true running game and in true running fashion, Michael Penix was helped out a lot more than Bo Nix was because of the true running game that they had to go off play action and whatever um, to help uh, the offense sustain some success throughout the entire game. Bo, Bo Nix really just had to kind of put the team on his shoulders and get to work. And he did that. I don't want to sound like he didn't do that. But overall, it wasn't enough in the rematch. I, I give Washington a ton more credit just because it's always hard to beat a team twice. I mean, look at Georgia-Alabama. If they were to rematch again, Georgia probably wins that game. And it's happened before. Like, Georgia has lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, gone on and won the national championship. You know, and vice versa. I, can't re- I think that's how it happened. I th- yeah, because Nick Saban has not lost an SEC championship game in a while. But so Georgia, it, it it hasn't happened like that though because uh Kirby has only beaten Saban once and that was that one year whenever uh they turned around and beat him in the national championship. That's what I'm saying though, but that was the year that they lost to him in the SEC championship, right? It was Stetson Bennett, uh, 2021. No, uh, Bama won in the SEC championship exactly, and then rematched in the national. Okay, I, I thought I thought you were saying the, the other way around. I thought they rematched in the national championship. Um, they, they did. They did. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that you were saying that it happened vice versa too. That uh, Al- or that Georgia won one year in the SEC, and then Alabama okay. won in the Fair Cincinnati. No, that's, no. that's what I thought you were saying. That's my I bad. Too, I said too much. I, I suck at this job. But uh, no. So like, if they were to rematch again, I I think it could happen. I think Georgia could probably win that game. So you kind of went into this game thinking, okay, Oregon's going to win this game because it's a rematch, and they're you would say they're both evenly, you know, matched up, right? And Washington was like, I don't care what you think. I'm still going to beat them, and they did. And that's why, I mean, I even vouchered to have them as the number one team in the playoff. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. They got it done against Oregon. Um, I'm not even sure where they failed to, to be honest with you. But I know they're out of the top six for sure, top eight maybe. But uh, here, Here's a big note that I just looked at for, in this game. So third down efficiency. Oregon was three of ten on third downs in this game. Granted, they were two for two on fourth downs. So, you know, on the money downs, they were five of twelve overall. Washington was ten of fifteen on third downs in the game. They were zero of one on fourth downs. So, you know, ten of sixteen on on uh, the money downs. But you're you're converting. Let's see, that's like sixty percent of your money downs right there. That that's insane. That that is insane percentage there. Washington just did exactly what they needed to in this game. And, you know, you brought up the defense part of it. You you know, Washington has struggled on defense uh, so far this year. And that was a lot of the talk going into this game was, you know, how good Oregon's defense is, how Oregon is going to be able to step up in this game and, you know, not necessarily shut down Washington, but slow them down enough. And, you know, you mentioned it. Washington just, they took offense to that. And yeah. they said, you know, we're going to prove to everybody, you know, just how good we are. And they went in and completely shut down Oregon for the first half. Now, Oregon did get some things going in the second half, but 
Washington got the stops whenever it mattered. Yep. And and they played complimentary football. Uh, they had that one long punt return, like 30-something yards to help set them up. They they actually lost the turnover battle. They both had one interception, I believe, and Washington had another fumble in the game, if I'm remembering correctly. It yeah. Was, it, was just, it was just one-to-one. That there was I think that fumble that you're talking about got overturned. Okay. Well it's in the it's in the box score. But um but anyways, uh, you know, regardless, they, they played complimentary football in all three phases, which helped them um in in a greedy game get get the overall win. I would like to say Robert pointed out that, that Washington has something to prove. I didn't realize this, but they were nine and a half point dogs to a team they've already beaten this year. Yeah, I, I did know that going into it and you know uh, you know we we like to we like to watch uh, Josh Pate on uh, Late Kick Live, and you know he mentioned that you know he he does a power rating, not a ranking, each week, um, and he he said that he would I think he had Oregon favored by eight and a half in the game, something like yeah. that. I mean it, it's crazy, crazy just just how everybody, including Vegas. Just thought, you know, there's no way Washington wins this game. Oregon is going to be favored on a neutral side. They are going to win this game the second time around. You got the revenge factor. And, you know, I, I can't say it enough. Washington just, they they took offense to that. And they said, you know, we're going to prove it again. And and they really did. And kind of like in the um, in Alabama-Georgia game, that final drive, Washington had the ball. And Oregon just couldn't stop, um, what's his name, Dylan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Billy Johnson picked up the first down there at the end that sealed the deal, and, and that was it. Big win for Washington. Congratulations to them. They are officially the number two seed in the rankings. I know I said we'd talk about it later, and we will. Trust me. Um, but let's move on to mm, – where you want to take this thing? To the Big Ten championship game? That was absolutely the most boring game I've ever watched in my life. Or you want to we'll, – We'll do the Big 12 championship because it was the first one of the day yesterday. That's right. Okay, yeah. Let's do it. Big 12 championship, Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, I just want to hear your overall thoughts. Texas got a big win, 49-21, over Oklahoma State, uh, who actually beat Oklahoma earlier in the year in Bedlam. So big, big statement win. Um, your initial thoughts. So Talk about a team that just come out and punch somebody in the mouth. Texas, after Oklahoma State That's got the ball to start, Texas just – could not be stopped en route to a 49-21 win over Oklahoma State. Quinn Ewers, shout out to him, the best game of his career. He also set a, a new Big 12 championship game record with four passing touchdowns. I believe 452 yards was also a Big 12 championship game record, something like that. What's crazy about that stat right there? is he had 452 yards in the entire game. I think he had 300 and something by halftime. I think the kid had like 330 passing yards by halftime. You're probably and, right because um, Texas had 35 points at halftime and oh, honestly yeah. should have had 42 on, on that last possession of, of the first half. But um, Yeah, but go ahead. That was insane. What a, what a performance by Quinn Ewers. And then the rushing attack for Texas was – on on one as well. I mean, you had Keelan Robinson with four carries for 75 yards, and then C.J. Baxter doing his work of 13 carries, 43 yards, and um, Robinson had two touchdowns. Baxter had another touchdown. I mean, it, it was just an all-around great effort from Texas in this game. You had two receivers go over 100 yards in the game. Um, Adonai Mitchell 
uh, had 109 yards on six receptions. Uh, Jatavion Sanders, eight receptions for 105 yards. And then you had Xavier Worthy with another 86 yards. I mean, it, it, like I said, just great all-around effort, along with how Texas defense was just flying around oh, yeah. on that side of the ball. It, it was it, they. It was just a bad matchup for Oklahoma State in this game. Texas smelled blood in the water. That's that's what it was. I mean, they the game started. If you truly watched the game, I'm not saying that you didn't. I'm saying that Oklahoma State got punched in the mouth real quick. There were some missed calls slash some no calls that Mike Gundy was fired up over, and Texas didn't give a damn. Excuse my language, but they said, you know what? There's missed calls. There's no calls. It happens in every game. It's what you do after that that defines your team. And Texas proceeded to just absolutely whoop the crap out of them. And uh, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State Cowboys had an, a fantastic season. They made it to the championship game, but unfortunately couldn't overcome those uh, setbacks or, or whatever you call it. Um, and overall, man, Texas just they just they wanted in. They were at number seven, and I'm sure that that was. I never understood why they put Ohio State at number six to begin with, because everybody and their mama knew that if Alabama, Texas won, they would jump Ohio State. So they shouldn't have ever done that in the first place. But uh, you know, I didn't know this, but no team sitting at seven or eight had never, ever, ever made the jump to the playoff. So if you're Texas, now. well, yes, to now. But I'm saying if you're Texas going in this into this championship game, and you're at number seven. You're thinking in your mind you have to do absolutely everything possible to get in. You know what I mean? And that's that's without hoping for help. You know, Alabama had to hope for help. You know, Ohio State has to hope for help. Florida State had to hope for help, you know. And unfortunately, Texas decided to say, hey, we're going to do this on our own. We don't care about how the rest of the teams play out uh, or games play out. And uh, they had a complete game, man. Just an overall complete game. We've said it again. They scored 49, and that was taking the foot off the pedal, honestly, in the second half. Um, I am curious, because this really has nothing to do with, like, the playoff or anything. They had a chance to bring in Arch Manning <laughs> as as the backup quarterback. Quinn Ewers went down. I think he had a little stinger or something. They had a chance to bring in Arch Manning, but didn't. And I thought he was the second-string quarterback of that team. Am I just wrong in that assumption? Or uh, he, he was third-string. After so the spring game that he had, he, he looked terrible in the Texas okay. spring game. And uh, Malik Murphy was the, the second string. And whenever um, whenever Quinn Ewers went down earlier this year with that AC spring, Malik Murphy was the guy. Now, Arch Manning did come in a few times because uh, Malik Murphy either had to come out or I think he might have gotten hurt at one point as well. And, you know, Arch Manning has looked fine whenever he's come in this year, even in garbage time, but compared to Ewers and uh, Malik Murphy, he just, he hadn't looked like that guy. So yeah, he's third string on, on this list. Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about Oklahoma state just for a little bit, because we've got one of those, uh, AKA Josh Pate would say padlock stats, but, uh, what if I told you that Oklahoma state only ran the ball for 31 yards in this game? <laughs> I'd say there's no chance that you win that game. No chance, brother. If once you become one dimensional, um, it's it's pretty much downhill from there. And Alan Bowman did all he could to give us a game. Um, going twenty two for thirty eight, not not super accurate with the ball, but he had two hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, man, Oklahoma State rushing the ball. Eighteen carries as a team, and that's counting I I get maybe some sacks, but um 
31 yards. That, that's a good average for 1.7 yards a carry. That's not going to cut it. Their longest run of the game was nine yards. Yeah. That's that's just not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. Texas is all around, all three phases, just played at the top of their game. And uh, congratulations to them on the Big 12 championship. It's going to get harder for them. They're making that move to the SEC next year. So I'm glad they ended with a bang in the Big Absolutely. 12. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there, there was actually, and there could be more than this, but I know for sure, Three teams that won their conference championship yesterday are no longer going to be in that conference uh, next year. So you've got Texas won the Big 12, Washington. and they're going to be in the SEC. Washington and Oregon, you know, whoever won that game, they aren't going to be in the Pac-12 next year. They're both going to be in the Big 10. SMU beat Tulane in the American championship yesterday, and SMU is going to be in the ACC as of next year. Yep. So uh, three teams in their final year of the conference went out with a uh, championship win. But um, uh, talking about Oklahoma State for a minute, you know, I do want to give credit to Mike Gundy because I don't know if you know this, but going into the season, Oklahoma State's over-under win, uh, win loss or, or wins uh, going into the season was either five-and-a-half or six-and-a-half through FanDuel, and Oklahoma State just went out and won nine regular season games this year. Well, yeah, I mean, and you lost your Big 12 championship. And you lost your starting quarterback for him to go be a second-string quarterback at Ole Miss, right? I mean, wasn't Spencer – or no, no, Spencer Sanders. Yeah, Spencer yeah. Sanders, he was the starting yeah. quarterback. And I think that he lost, like, half of his starters overall from offense and defense, and he just yep. – a team that was decimated. He he just – that that tells me that, you know – like him or not, Mike Gundy is a good coach. He might be. He might go off on these tirades here, and you know the "I'm a man, I'm 40" thing, which, by the way, is one of the best things from my childhood. Oh, absolutely. But uh, you know, like him or not, he is a good coach. What the fact that he could take a team that was decimated like that, and I know he got transfer portal guys in. That's a big credit to the transfer portal. But he took a team that was decimated and made the Big 12 championship this year. No, and then this awesome. team could have laid down at the beginning of the year after getting just blown out at yeah. home by South Alabama. That's what I was going to say. Didn't they lose to an American? Yeah. Um, no, that, I agree with you, man. And the, for him to be able to turn that thing around, and uh, that Oklahoma wins by far the biggest game, you know, that because that's what got them into the Big 12 championship game. And uh, Robert comment, man, everybody's pushing for that Texas versus Bama rematch. You know, he's saying that Texas is a really dangerous team. They're getting hot at the right time. And I don't disagree with it. I thought maybe in the eyes of the committee, though, that Texas, you know, having that loss against Oklahoma, that's one of the worst losses out of any of the big, you know, the top six teams. You know what I mean? So I was wondering if that would hurt them. But them having that wild card win over Bama is what absolutely carried them into the playoff on top of this absolute dominating performance in the Big 12 championship game. But uh, last thing I'm going to say this, about this before we go into the next game, did you hear the commissioner of the Big 12 when they were going to award Texas the trophy and all the crowd and the fans in the background were chanting SCC in the background? I, I actually did not hear that. So I, I left the house with about uh, three minutes left to go in the game. I had to run up to the dollar store and get something. Yeah. But my wife told me about it whenever I got back. They were she was like they started chanting SEC and then he got no. food and all that. I was like, no idea about all this. It's safe to say that their fan base is gonna at least fit in 
right <laughs> pretty well with the SEC champ. So, uh, big game for Texas. Congratulations to them. They are in the playoff. Let's move it right along. What's the next game you want to talk about? Let's talk about Michigan and Iowa. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I'll be honest, I did not watch this game. I I watched the the Louisville Florida State game, but I I, I just want to point this out at at the beginning of it. So you know that um, it was actually plus money on FanDuel to uh, for uh, Iowa to have any points in the game. Like if you if you bet that Iowa was going to score any points in the game, you you would have had plus money in that. So like I don't know what the odds were, uh, but let, let's just say you know you bet uh, ten dollars. I think it was like plus two hundred something odds. So you would have won like twenty something dollars off of that if you bet that Iowa was going to win was going to score any points in the game. Yeah, there was a sports bar I believe in Iowa. That was given free. Yeah, alcohol. They were giving free okay. drinks until Iowa scored a point. So they literally they gave out free drinks the whole game. They never scored a point. And what's crazy is I believe we called this. I think we both said that Iowa just doesn't have the offense to score. And we believe that Iowa had a good enough defense to really prevent Michigan from doing too much. And overall, the end score looks 26 to nothing. But if you watch that game, man, that was so ugly. There were so many punts in that game. It was, I think, 21 punts. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was that game and the other game. I think it was maybe Louisville, Florida State, Michigan, Iowa, like combined 21 punts in the first half. It was stupid. It was not Man. fun to watch. It was Tory Tory Taylor for Heisman. Iowa yeah. punter. Yeah, the average. Hey. He's probably got the most yards in the team. I'll be honest. He's it's insane. It's probably, probably. he he averaged on seven points yesterday. He averaged fifty point four yards a punt. Dude had a thousand yards of punting. That's insane. Um, <laughs> no man, it's the fact that that game was so predictable and it ended up playing out the the exact way that the teams have pretty much been playing all year. That that's rare to see. You know, we say this all the time. A game, you know, like the game itself doesn't really. Uh, go from week to week. I don't know how the word's losing me, but like whatever happens in one week doesn't necessarily translate to the next. Right. right? Yeah. yeah it, it translated ex like perfectly in this game. I mean, Iowa has never been a big scoring offense. In fact, I don't even know if they average 17 points a game, even though they were 10 and two, it's just their defense has been that good. And, and honestly, Michigan's a lot of the same. Michigan's mm. offense isn't overpowering. In fact, if they get into a shootout in the playoff with any team, They're I don't see beat. them winning. Yeah. And so, uh, but but their defense has carried it. It's kind of weird that the Big Ten, we're talking about good defenses rather than explosive offenses. It's it's a it's a big difference this yeah. year. But I, I, I will say this, you know, you look at the total yards overall for both of these teams, it's not that far off. So Michigan had 213 yards uh, overall. Iowa had 155 yards, so there wasn't even – there was just barely over 400 yards of total offense. It, no, it didn't even get to 400 yards of total offense between yeah. the two teams. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's pretty even with that point right there. But, you know, you mentioned the, the padlock stat earlier that uh, Josh Pate would say. Iowa, three turnovers in the game. Yep. That'll do it. And both teams didn't run the ball well. Even Blake Corum didn't really run the ball. He had a couple touchdowns. So before I get attacked, don't say that, you know, he had a good game. The The problem is he only averaged 3.3 yards a rush. 
Um, he only had 52 total carries. I mean, the, the defenses were insane, dude. Um, J.J. McCarthy had, I guess, what would be considered his type of average game, going 22 for 30 for 147 yards and, and no touchdowns, no interceptions. Just kind of just kind of writing the shit, right? Just don't screw up, right? Just keep keep going, you know, kind of follow the stream of the river. Just get to the end of it. And, uh, you know, that's what they did. Unfortunately, Iowa and Iowa had chances, by the way. I don't want to sit here and talk about the fact that Iowa, I believe it was Iowa, they they had a turnover uh, on Michigan's side of the ball as they were probably going to score. Um, I may be confusing another game because I was flipping back and forth. But uh, you, you could um, be right on that because, like I said, it was Iowa had three turnovers and Michigan yeah, had three zero, fumbles. So. Yeah, and they they lost all three of them. That that's not going to do it. So, um, but. Regardless, this game was pretty much as advertised. It happened as we all kind of assumed it would. So big, big, uh, you know, hats off to Michigan on capping the perfect season. They could have been one of those teams that kind of choked and and costed themselves a chance at the playoff spot like somebody else did. Um, but they didn't. They won, and uh, hats off to them. I think they're now the number one seeded team in the college football playoff. So the last game of the day, is the ACC championship game. And this game lost some – it lost a lot of momentum that it had back earlier. Um, Florida State ends up beating Louisville 16-6. to And it, if I was to ask you before the games were played, which game do you think more points were scored in, the Michigan-Iowa game or the Florida State-Louisville game, which game would you say? Uh, I think you'd be dumb to not take the Louisville-Florida State game. Louisville and Florida State scored less points in that game than Michigan scored in the Iowa game. Michigan had 26 in the Michigan-Iowa game. Of course, Iowa didn't score. And combined, Florida State and Louisville had 22 points overall. It's, uh, huh. So, mm, see, I'm trying to I'm trying to separate the conversation between the CFP recap or, or discussion versus the actual game recap because as a Florida State team that they're on the third string quarterback this week only um, due to a concussion to the second string and Rotemeyer or Rota something I can't remember his last name yeah, it's um, something like that Rotemaker or something like that uh, yeah I think Rotemaker is right yeah so you knew this was going to be kind of a more different style of offensive game plan because you know you got to go in there and get the win um, and they executed, yeah, it was ugly, right? But they went in there, they shut down Louisville's offense, which is a credit to Florida State's defense, right? Like, and I, played, I've said all season long that Florida State's defense was good. I mean, the way that they shut down LSU in game yeah. one this year, that, that yeah. defense is it, it's amazing for Florida State. Yeah. But when they, they Gordon went Travis went down two weeks ago, I said, you know, Florida State might win out, but it's it's going to be questionable. It's going to be questionable at the end of the year what's going to happen because this is a different team without Jordan Travis. It is, and the the, the fact that they didn't really – they I'm not going to say they didn't control the game, but the fact that they didn't go out there and make a statement kind of like Texas did, right? And that, that ultimately cost them a spot in the playoff. Look, Louisville scored six points and was about to score a touchdown in the game before it got picked off in the end zone. Now, it got picked off in the end zone, right? Florida State did what they needed to do to keep them out of the end zone. The problem is, is now you've left it up to the committee, which is something that I've preached that you should never, ever, ever do. 
is leave your future in the hands of the committee. Some people argue, well, they were undefeated. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, but winning the ACC as an undefeated doesn't mean near as much as winning the Big Ten or the SEC as even a one loss. And the reason why, and Florida State fans need to really, and I've said this over and over, but I'm kind of getting into the, I'm kind of getting into the CFP recap. So I'll save that for later. The game itself, Brock Glenn, this is what costed it, right? Even though they won the game, their quarterback was 8 of 21 for 55 yards. Yeah. He averaged 2.6 yards a pass. That's worse. You wouldn't take that running the ball, much less passing the ball, right? Um, but I do I do credit the guys that stepped up. I mean, I don't know how to say his last name, but Lawrence Toa Philly or something like that. I don't know. Had a crazy game and Trey Benson did pretty good. And they stepped up and they got the win and I credit them for that. But Louisville, for the ACC to say that Louisville was your second best team in the conference, that's not I mean, it's not good. I don't know. That's just it's my take. You know, P people talked about the SEC being down this year. But the ACC was is down. down this it's year. I mean, when, when you've got Clemson going eight and four, and like you mentioned, Louisville is your number two team, and they're sitting at ten and two going into that game. I mean, you had Louisville. We mentioned this last week. Louisville, the number two team in the ACC, gets beat by the SEC East fifth seed in Kentucky. Yeah. I mean that that tells you that the the level oh, okay. of competition difference there and that and granted it's a robbery game right yes but then you also have the SEC East sixth place seeded team go toe to toe with Florida State that same weekend and I'm just I don't know man it, the level of competition is so different and I know that I'm probably gonna get some shade for saying what I'm saying about Florida State but overall. Man, you just you've seen the difference, right? You've seen the difference without, and this is honestly a huge credit and testimony to what Dra- uh, Jordan Travis was to that game, to that team, um, and losing him. And you just you've seen how they lost that fourth and fifth gear. You know they were stuck in second and third at that point, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, man. They're undefeated. Yes, they deserve it, but as we all know, the college football committee really came out, put their foot down, and said deserving's one thing. The best is another. And so this game, I don't really have much else to talk about because I'm so fired up over the playoff committee. Um, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on if we should move forward or if you have anything left for this one. That That's all I have. Uh, before we move forward, I do want to, you know, appreciate Robert on this. Uh, he said I had a good point. Oklahoma State was a lot like Missouri this year. They're supposed to be a sub-500 team or right at 500, and they excelled this year. So, I mean, they – both of those teams took what they had and just did what they needed to this year. And, you know, they they had years that nobody thought would happen. But um, the only other thing I had before we move forward is we forgot to mention it in the uh, Alabama-Georgia recap, but um, a big shout-out to Will Reichard. He became the FBS all-time leading scorer yesterday. Right. Is that after, Alabama's kicker? Yeah, Alabama's kicker. So Is that uh, not crazy to think about? Because, you know, in years past, when we think about Alabama kickers. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, even Will Reichard has had his moments, you know, Tennessee game last year. Yeah. Um, and actually, they said yesterday that um, his past six attempts before that kick that ended up giving him the record, 
he had missed three of his last six attempts. So, I mean, he was he was on fire to start the year. He didn't miss a single kick. And then in the last couple of games, his last six attempts, he missed three of them. So, um, but a shout out to him for becoming the uh, FBS all-time leading scorer. Um, so let, let's go ahead and move forward. This takes care of our recap of the conference championship game.